0: All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another One Youth Devo. Today,
1: we are in the Psalms. I am excited to talk about Psalm 40. Yeah, Psalm 40. We took a little break from Devo's, but that's fine. We're back. And it's Sunday. So, Sunday, we go through the Psalms. For the director of music, that's who this psalm is written for, of David. A psalm. Jamie, do you want to read it? Sure, let's do this. I waited patiently
0: for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. The word of the Lord. Thanks
1: be to God. All right. That's the first five verses of Psalm 40. Yeah, that's what we're going to dive deep into today. And speaking of diving deep, we're going to dive right into verse one. And And verse one says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry, you know, I oftentimes it's weird. Surfing is a very patient sport. You paddle out and you wait for a wave, Hmm. but in almost right. And a lot of other areas of my life, I am so impatient (laughs) that it it drives people nuts. (laughs) You know, anyone that's riding with me, I'm always like antsy at the, at the green light because I'm like, I'm not patiently waiting. So uh, waiting patiently for the Lord is difficult for me. It's like, Lord, I I prayed and I like want some affirmation, some confirmation of that you heard me like right now. And sometimes that's like not the, not the case. Yeah. Waiting is like the worst part. All these, all these Psalms, they remind me of songs.
0: So like this one in particular, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and he heard my cry is actually a a U2 song that was from, I think it was on their Joshua Tree album back in the 80s. I know that kind of is a long time ago, but um, this Psalm was like straight up one of their songs. The other song that comes to mind is, I think it's a Tom Petty song that says the waiting is the hardest part, which is just true, man. Waiting for stuff is uh, is, is difficult. But so the Psalmist, or David's writing, he's like, yeah, I waited patiently for the Lord, but God turned to me, he heard my cry. Like his waiting wasn't in, in vain. And then verse two, I love verse two. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. Yeah. Gross. Slimy pit. Slimy pit. pit. Yikes. Now, have you ever walked through like a, a very muddy pit? I remember being a kid and getting these like pull on like rubber boots and being all excited that I could run in the mud. And then I went up to this like farm place on the border of Canada, and it was in Washington State, and I started running around, and I I sunk in past my boots. Whoa. (laughs) Did they fill up? Which isn't good. The boot, uh, so I had to, like, get my foot out of the mud, and the boot, I had to then reach in and try to extract the boot out of the mud. I'm wondering, for you, Pat, what is the most trapped in mud or what
1: kind of a slimy pit have you ever been in in your life? You know, I've never... I've never really gotten stuck in anything really muddy or slimy, you know, nothing really deep. At least walking, there is a time where I almost got stuck driving through a big pit of mud, but I don't know. I, I generally try to stay away from muddy pits. When I was a kid, I would go walk around when it was raining in Minnesota and walk through big, big muddy areas. But it was no more than ankle deep and it wasn't a very stressful. It wasn't scary. It's not like I was getting stuck. So I've never been in a muddy pit like that.
0: Yeah, you know it's the. I was looking this up because it's kind of interesting to me, right? It says he lifted me out of the slimy pit. I'm like, ooh, that sounds kind of gross. I wonder what like that word is in like the Hebrew. And it's the word "slimy" is more like uh, destruction or wasteland or like bad. Um, And then the word "pit" is a cistern. It could also be like the world of the dead is another metaphor that they use for it. So like. Like that's a pretty deep pit if it goes all the way down to the world of the dead, yeah, uh, but you know a cistern like back in the day, like a well, like you would dig a pit to either hold water or to get water out of the out of the um out of the ground, and so whatever was holding that water was pretty slimy, like if you got in it, it was pretty hard to get out because there was just like slimy stuff everywhere uh because of all the water now, yeah. I've been in some pretty like slimy gross places before there was a time at i'm actually just remembering this right now when i worked at camp one of my bosses broke a giant water main and it was like an i think it was like an eight inch water line which is pretty big oh oh my gosh a lot of water lines like for irrigation are like little half inch ones this was like you know eight inches and had tremendous pressure and on the side of it was a two-inch line, and he accidentally broke the two-inch line off and it just started dumping water. Oh no. And the pressure was so great that it it instantly dug a hole that was like big enough you could get into it. Like just right away, all of a sudden, like a hole was there that hadn't been there before. So they were able to shut the water off. And my boss got on the radio and he's like, Hey, uh, go put on some dirty clothes. And I said, what do you mean dirty clothes? He's like, go put on clothes where you could be covered in mud from head to toe. I'm like, all right, fine. (laughs) So I did, and I came back. And this was camp, so we had Mud Bowl every week. Being in mud was like, you know, part of the job, I guess. So I came back, and I looked, and there are already guys in the hole with shovels just digging in mud, like up to their knees, trying to clear this out so they could repair this. And uh, at camp... Part of my job, too, was taking the mud bowl and trying to make it extra muddy. Because oh. kids like to go in the mud bowl. Have you been in the mud bowl, Pat? Yes, I have. So I guess I have been in a pit of mud. I've been in the mud bowl so a few like, times. What's, what's like your, you know, what's your, like, is that gross to you? Is it like,
1: what's, what's your, you know, what does it feel like to be in a slimy pit? Being in the mud and in the mud bowl isn't as bad as when you get out. Because <laughs> when you get out... All that mud gets mm-hmm. cold. If there's a little breeze, it feels like the air conditioning is blowing on you. And then it gets hard and crackly, and then your skin just gets dry. It's uh, it's not a, a good experience. So I guess I have been in mud um, a few times, and it feels cool when you're in it. This kind of squishy. It's kind of fun. You can kind of like lay down in it. But... I tell you, you get out and it's not a pleasant experience afterwards unless you can rinse off really quickly. It
0: really isn't a pleasant experience and uh, and bowls are gross. You know, the stuff that's in those is like kind of disgusting. I think the point of this, because it says after that God lifted, right? Lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud, the mire. The next thing he does is he sets his feet on a rock and he gave him a, a firm place to stand. So if you can imagine you're stuck in a well that has mud all along the sides and it's above your head and your job is to climb out of it and you're just slipping the whole time. You know, you'd be looking for like someone to throw you a rope or for like a rock that you could put your foot on that's like a firm place. I remember years ago, we decided it'd be a good idea to put plastic inside of a room and we, we plasticed off an entire youth room, floor to ceiling, all plastic. And then we had a giant food fight inside The only problem was we had taken a kiddie pool and we had filled it with cooked spaghetti. I think we had like 10 pounds of cooked spaghetti or we'd cooked 10 pounds of spaghetti. It was like five gallons of water or something. And then uh, we decided to drain it and we put in like a bunch of bottles of syrup. Now, you think syrup is supposed to be sticky. Yeah. But syrup, when uh, it gets all over the place... It, it instantly, like, turns into the slipperiest thing in the world. Oh, And my especially gosh. on a floor that was plastic. So it was like you were ice skating on syrup. Nice. That's the best way I can describe it. And so I was in the room, all these other, you know, there's kids who are all in the room. Everyone's trying to, like, just stay up. And it was hard just to, like, stand up straight. <laughs> and so people were slipping and falling all over the place. And, like, after a while, like, your hips get sore because, like, you're spending way too much like muscle energy just trying to like not fall. And then you end up falling anyway. So I remember stepping out of that room onto like actual hard surface. And I was like, oh, finally, I have a firm place to stand. (laughs) Finally, I can like stand up without thinking I'm going to
1: fall over and land on a pile of spaghetti. That's so funny. And it's so true. You know, having something firm to stand on, you you don't have the anxiety of falling over. You know, whenever I read in scripture... Uh, lines of a firm place to stand, standing on a rock, because it's, it shows up of quite a few times. I always remember the first message that I did in front of an entire church where I talked about building your faith on a solid rock on God's solid foundation. And I talked about, you know, you can build your faith on sand, but that's just going to fall away. You can build your, your faith on wood, but then, you know, the termites will come around and now that, that won't work. And so whenever I see a line like that, it just reminds me of a long time ago, just a message that I did. So this is cool. David is saying
0: like God lifted him out of the pit, out of this mud, this mire, this disgusting, slippery stuff, gave him a place where his feet will stand firm. And then he does something to David. Verse three, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him.
1: You ever tried? You ever tried to write a song? No, never. I think the closest I've ever come to that is I've tried to write a psalm before. Uh, that's kind of a weird thing to do. It's I mean, unless you're kind of into that kind of stuff. I am not very creative when it comes to that kind of stuff. Writing. I bet songs. you could write
0: a. I bet you could write a song right now, Patrick.
1: <laughs> you know that. Maybe not on this episode of the Devo. Maybe we'll save that for a different day. But David is not saying I wrote a song, a hymn of praise of God. He's saying that Christ put a song in in his mouth. Now, maybe that will happen in this Devo. Maybe Christ will put a song in my mouth but I'm not going to try to write a song right now. Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> I, think, I think people would love to hear that. They'd love to hear your, uh, your new song.
0: Now, we see in scripture, you know, my little Bible thing uh, has like a little footnote and shows me that like other pages or other parts of the Bible where this is referenced. And the concept of new songs comes up several times. And kind of the one that I think is probably most noteworthy is in all the way at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, it says that um, they sang a new song to God saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Um, And it, it kind of keeps going. But the idea is that, that in kind of the throne room of heaven, there are these angels and creatures and they're singing and there's elders and they sing the song, you know, to God perpetually. And then God gives them even a new song to sing, which is kind of cool. So David has had a life where he's trusted in God, but God has also given him a new song, uh, which is kind of cool that not only does God, ask that we worship him, God also gives
1: us the songs to worship him with. And maybe you know the answer to this because I don't. And so it's a question for you. It says, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Is that a response to the new song that the Lord put in David's mouth?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it could be, right? It could be a response to what uh, the new song is that many will see mm. and fear the Lord. Now, I don't think that's like a lyric of the song. I, I, I don't, I don't think that's what that's saying, but I could be wrong, but it, it's just some like pretty good truth. You know, I mean, you got to think of this Psalm as like a poem, right? So um, it doesn't have to necessarily like all kind of make complete sense as you're going mm. through it. It, it. it can, there's a little bit of a poetic license. Um, so the, the phrase on its own, like he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God that can stand alone. Yeah. Um, and then the idea of many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him can also kind of stand alone too. Right. And sometimes those things will have like, they'll, they'll actually be connected in a bunch of different patterns and ways or whatever. And I don't know the, I don't know the, um, patterns that are used in Psalm 40. It's still like a great thought, right? Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. That's like a great idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the ways I really connect to the Lord is through music, is through songs. Songs have a big influence. You know, worship has a big influence on on me and my life and my relationship with Christ. So I can totally see how that line is applicable on its own in and of itself.
0: And then the whole new song thing too, I think it's interesting. How many times can you listen to a song before you get tired of it?
1: Probably in the
0: neighborhood of 30 times. About 30 times. So once you hear... And that's kind of why, like, if you write a great song or if there's, like, a super popular song on the radio or an album comes out that everyone says this is the best album ever, it might stand the test of time. People might listen to it later, but it's not all they listen to. So I have these an- this ancient technology in my car called a CD player. And on uh, a CD player... I'll listen to a song and it holds one disc. And so after about, you know, anywhere from 30 to 50 minutes of time, uh, that CD will will start to loop. You'll get to hear the same song again. And really I can only listen to, like I can maybe do that like twice, maybe three times at the most. And then I gotta go find another CD. I, got, I have to listen to something else. I once heard that song lyrics, you can listen to song lyrics about 50 times, and then after the f- like 50th time, this is like kind of about 50. It's not exactly 50. The lyrics st- stop, you stop uh, listening to the meaning of lyrics entirely. Like oh. It's almost like the lyrics don't even exist anymore. And you're not really drawing any meaning out of it. If yeah. you keep, li- you know, you listen again and again and again and again. I think it's cool that God would give us new songs. Yeah. Because the truth of God is still true. And the original song that was being sung was still true, but God even cares about us having like you know the newest the newest songs to praise Him with, yeah, which is kind of
1: kind of neat. Moving on to verse four, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside
0: to false gods. And I have a footnote that says, or to lies instead of to false gods. I think it's like a phrase that could be used as like lies, but it's probably helpful for us to, uh, cause the word actually there is, is lie um, to lie who turns aside to lies. And, and in this time, a lie would be like, you know, turning to a false God would be, would be that. So I think it's interesting today cause we don't think of there being false gods. We don't think that we look up the window and like, oh look, there's a false God that I can worship. But I, I think probably a better idea is, uh, is looking at like idolatry. So like for us, anything that we put above God becomes like an idol. Anything we look to instead of looking to God can become an idol. So for example, like your uh, education can become an idol because you spend all of your energy, time and effort and you think your uh, education is going to save you. Well, your education isn't bad. It's really good and God can use it. But if it gets above God or becomes more important than God, then it's become an idol. The same right. is true with, like, success, with money, with... I mean, it can really even be anything. It could be, you know, your own physical appearance you care about more than anything else. Right. Um, or the praise you get from people uh, can become your idol.
1: Yeah. You know, idol, the misconception is, at least I was this way when I was younger, is I thought idol would be, like, a person. And an idol can take the form of any anything. Like yeah. you said, is anything that gets in the way... Of, you know, your
0: faith and, and it happens, like, a lot And I know some people might be listening to this Like, well, I haven't really put God, like, at the top God is, like, five or six things down In my, like, priorities of life um, And I would tell you uh, Get God up at the top <laughs> to yeah. Do it now And I would say do it now Because that's how we, as people, operate best When we put God at the top It doesn't mean everything's gonna be perfect It doesn't mean everything's gonna get in line but it's the right thing to do. And it's the best thing to do for you long-term. So that's just kind of like a little side note, put God first, right? And in David saying this, blessed, blessed is the person who trusts in God. Who doesn't look to other things. Who's looking to God. So when you need help,
1: look to God. When you um, are excited about something, look to God. Now we're on to verse five. Yeah. Many Lord, my God are the wonders you have done the things you have planned for us. Now let's, there's more of verse five list, but let's just look at that for a quick moment. You know, many are the wonders you have done. I, many is like an understatement (laughs) in my opinion, and many are the things you've planned for us. That's just so cool to think about how Christ has planned many things for all of us, many paths, many hurdles, but also achievements for all of us. It's like many for everyone. There's not like a few for you, a few for me, you know, a few for the next person. It's many.
0: Yeah. And it's not just, and I love this it, too. It's like, it's the miracles and the wonders that God has done for us, but it's also the, the miracles and wonders that God's going to continue to do, right? Mm. The things that you've planned. Right. Um. So God's faithfulness and God's grace and God's generosity is ongoing. Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't like stop at some point. Right. And that's pretty cool. Right. And you think about the guy writing this, right? Like, let's like David. So David encountered God um, at a young, young age and even said, you know, like when he was a shepherd, there were like lions and stuff that would like attack the sheep and and he said that, like, uh, with God's help, you know, I was able to take care of those. So if God's on my side, I'm going to take care of Goliath. And he went out and killed Goliath. Right. Because of God and because of what God ha- had done in his life. So, so he's seen God's miracles. He's seen them firsthand. Uh, and that, that's pretty cool, man.
1: Yeah. And he goes on to acknowledge that in the last part of verse five by saying, nothing can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. He's totally recognizing that in his life, in only his life, that God has done so much that there's no way he could actually put words to all of them.
0: Yeah. And in fact, the, the, some of the word here, it's a really short word that kind of says too many to declare but it basically says countless. Yeah. Countless it's is like, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's countless. God, all of all of what you've done, God, all of your good deeds, you know, if I was going to, you know, write a song about your good deeds, the number of words would be countless. Yeah. Pretty
1: cool. Super cool. Well, go and uh, take some time to check out the rest of this song on your own. Uh, it's not very long, but go and do a little bit of studying. You know, sometime after you listen to this, at least just go yeah, and read and it because it's filled with really cool stuff. And if you want to look up um, uh,
0: 40, it's a song by you two, and it's actually the words to this song. So
1: well, I think it's on YouTube. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in to this Sunday's Devo. And, uh, I hope that you're looking forward to hearing more from us in the coming days and weeks. Bye everyone.